You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack episode 18. We're in the third week of July. Uprising has been legal for seemingly years now without a single game of CC to talk about. Matt, how are you, you doing set. this week? You set. You set. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, things were good. Just got home from playtesting some CC. Mm. Nice. I have, uh, I've been doing some playtesting myself. Cannot wait to get into it. Because this, uh, the meta shakeup has actually been fascinating. I wasn't expecting <laughs> heroes to shift roles as much as they did. Yeah, um, it's actually like I'm working with information from like a week ago, and it's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, um, just trying to figure out what people are up to now. It's been interesting. It turns out, uh, Red Oasis Respite is the strongest card ever printed. Cards, uh, kind of good, kind of cracked. Go figure. Well. Matt, you told me you have a rules interaction for us this I week. I sure do. Let's hear. So, <clears throat> active player. Well, there's no. There's no. The, the question doesn't involve a non-active player, so not relevant. Um, player plays Minimalism Red. Target attack or next attack action you played. Base power two or le- three or less gets plus three. Then. Plays Transmogrify Red. That one says your next attack action card has base power 10, right? I think it's 10. Yeah. Uh, Base power 10 against Phantasm and is an illusionist attack. Right. Then finally they play in Blue Overload, which is base power 1. Right. So what is the final attack's power? All right, let's see. What blue overload is the is the only attack, right? Yes. Two NAAs. Well, this is interesting, right? I think. Huh. This is actually really interesting because the uh-huh. layers would change. Mm-hmm. See, the, the important thing here is the staging system. That is correct. This does go straight into the staging system. And I'm trying to think in terms of the five layers of the staging system, do we just look at timestamps on this one? Um, oh, it's also red transmogrifies base power eight. Just double, just clarifying. Look yeah. Up. Well, I'm going to say that it ends up being an eight because transmogrify has a strict statement as a and there's no check but i don't know i've this mm. is actually something i hadn't considered right so my this is actually not a question that i found that has an answer but my oh. interpretation of it i mean i pulled up the rules and i have an answer that i've come to um like i have the um staging order here in the comprehensive rules so yeah. like i have an answer to it um but the original posting that i looked for or the question that was proposed doesn't have an answer to it um so the staging order for continuous effects applies you know in seven different stages and there are some sub stages afterwards but um so effects that the first stage is uh this applies in order right so oh okay yeah actually yeah okay uh, so i actually i do have like an actual ruling from lss on this on this but yes mm-hmm. go ahead yeah I so i mean we, we can go through all the stages here but essentially the um the ones that are going to matter here uh i believe are going to be stage five effects that affect super types types and subtypes because it's gaining illusionist right then stage six Effects that uh, affect base values of numeric properties are applied. So we're going to apply base power eight. 
in stage six. Then stage seven affects and counters that affect the values of numeric properties are applied. So this is where we would apply any counters like plus one power counters, uh, plus one defense counters and uh, affects that increase power, right? Like plunder run or in this case, minnowism. However, minnowism has a condition that checks for the base power being three or less. Yes. And, and my interpretation of the rules here is that uh, stage six will apply before stage seven, and therefore the base power of the attack will be eight and not get the plus three for minimalism. Uh, you're 100% correct. That's exactly how it works. Right. Um, because we apply in stage six, I believe, uh, things that set the value before a conditional effect in stage eight. Um, or I'm sorry, stage seven, rather. So yeah, nice. Yeah, that is an some, interesting interaction. Yeah, there's some weird substage, you know, minutia uh, here going on, but uh, it's not too relevant for this particular question. It's a little easier. Oh yeah, um, interesting. But uh, yeah. here's a fun one actually that came up today in my play. Here's another. Uh, one, it's a pretty quick question. It's pretty quick uh, rules interaction that came up today, playtesting, and also something I read up online is that uh, a if a player is um, hit by an erase face, or um, yeah, if a player is hit by an erase face, right, uh, a five player, and on their turn they play a brand uh, with Cinderclaw, right, which has no uh, types, it's just going to be an attack action. Uh, however, it will give the it says on the text that uh, your next attack, this combat chain is draconic in addition to its other types, right? Yeah. So the question is, will the attack played after gain the draconic type, even though a race face has been applied to the hero? Right, because of timestamp order. Because um, it does not, it's actually in the release notes, a race face does not prevent a card or token from gaining class and talent types through other effects. But somebody wanted, somebody was arguing though that the comprehensive rules contradicts this. In that, yeah, in the substaging, which is now why it's relevant, is now where the relevancy of the substage comes in. Um, the substage three independent effects that add abilities, increase numerical values of abilities add to a non-numerical property or increase the value of a numerical property are applied and then independent effects that remove abilities, decrease numerical valuables, values, you know, so on and so forth are applied. So what they're suggesting here is that while the rules, the, the release note rules for a race face say that a card can gain talent types through other effects and class types, uh, the CR challenges that and actually says that the substaging uh the substaging rules uh would apply differently oh interesting i so i believe the intent is there um outside of the substaging rules because they did not use the um specific keyword and can't gain um fair and so that's why i think it's really interesting uh that when using those layers, it actually. I wonder if there's an exact reason why the layers don't work. What is it? Is it brand with Cinderclaw is the card that gives draconic types, correct? Yeah, it, it uh, makes it draconic in addition to its other card types. Very much yeah. in the same way as like the illusionist uh, non attacks give uh, your next thing illusionist in addition to its other types. So it's weird if I had to go out on a limb uh, and say why the comp rules might not be wrong here is the um, is the card loses all class and talent types, but because specifically brand with Cinderclaw says in addition, um, I think is what gets around the layering system. Hmm. The like, wording might actually, it, yeah. 
I don't know 100% if it's that or not. Like, obviously, Flesh and Blood's still in a phase where it's not, like, there's all sorts of small little things that they're still working on. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm really curious uh, if anybody's asked that brand with Cinderclaw question in the yeah. context of... Uh, of the judge discord yeah i mean i'm sure it's going to come up sooner or later if it hasn't um this is something that's going to come up a lot people play a race face into five very very frequently uh kind of just turns off his turn yeah hmm that's really interesting i think it's just because it says um In addition. Oh, okay. Actually, the uh, there is a uh, the the uh, an L two judge has confirmed that a race face does in fact not jive with the current staging setup, and they're looking at a way of reordering it. Interesting. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah, that is uh, that is. So from an they're, L2. they're working around a race face, or they're working around uh, making a workaround for the rules. I think they're going to find a way to template it so that it makes more sense in the future. Um, okay. So maybe, maybe they'll add something water. where lose and can't gain. Like, I think that is obviously the key difference, right? Is lose and can't gain. So right. I, I mean, that's and that's happening. not, and that's not a, that's not a phrasing that hasn't been used yet. Blizzard, I believe uses can't loses and can't gain. For the, go again. Um, yes, that is correct. Loses and can't gain. Go again on blizzard is uh, the bane of my existence. Um. So yeah. Uh, fog down also does as well. Fog down does. I uh, hit it in those NAAs. Also, a really weird name for a card. I feel like that's definitely like a New Zealand phrase. To fog down. It's like, oh yeah, it really, it really fogged down today. I don't <laughs> know. It might be. I know bog down. Right. See, that makes sense to me. So maybe it's a play on words. <laughs> it could um, be because I just googled fog down like uh, as a boolean string and um, actually uh, the only things that come up are this card and um, a down jacket in a color called London fog so That's it says funny. London fog down filled jacket uh, so, so this is so I guess it is a play on word um, go figure LSS, you got me. Or maybe or I solved your riddle. Maybe it's just being literal. Fog is down. <laughs> literal fog. Down. I mean, it was Risen Frog. <laughs> risen Frog. Risen Fog before that. Oh, go figure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This set has a lot of weird rules interactions. I'm still getting a lot of questions. Is like, uh, I would say, so I, I judged an RTN last weekend. Yeah, you got a lot of rules mm -hmm. question out there. I mean, you know I was what? there, but to be honest, I felt like I didn't hear anyone call Judge. But I'm so, sure I wasn't listening for it. Seven separate times. Okay. <laughs> and all to different players. Um, props to them. Uh, I had to um, explain specifically that Frostbite tokens uh, do not affect Quell. That kept coming up like over and over again. Seven times. Wow, that's actually uh, incredible. That it it was absolutely mind-blowing. And, I, you know, I don't know. It was weird. Uh, it was difficult to explain, too, that, like, Quell can only be used, like, at the time the damage is happening. It's not like a shield you put up or, like, a trigger you respond to. So people were trying to, like, pitch to Quell and then, like, uh, you know, what is it? The, the card that gives an ash ward for whatever it's called, Dust Shield. I know that's not what it's called. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Try to pitch to make the ash and then play the sand cover. Sand cover. Yes. Yeah. And it oh, was like, yeah. no, you actually can't do that with Quell because then the damage has already happened, so there's no yeah. priority window. It allows you to effect. pay resources to create a replacement effect and replace some amount of damage. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird little interactions in the set. Um, 
but uh, on the whole it was uh, it was pretty cool it was a yeah. it was a good experience i stood up for way too long um should have sat down taking the seat take the load off yeah right yeah, uh, I should have, but I didn't, and I wore the wrong shoes. And I think that's the biggest—that's <laughs> the biggest thing I've learned from judging—is really Wait, just footwear. Your, your advice to future prospective judges out there is to choose the right footwear in the morning. Absolutely, um, in the right soda puns. Exactly. Um, so you know that's the key. I really had to phone in the soda pun this week. That was a good one. What seven uprising? It wasn't great. It wasn't Enlightened Sprite, or what was the other one? I had a really good one for the other ProQuest I did that it I wasn't Coke Man and Conquer? There was Coke Man and Conquer. I've used that one before. I feel like I had a third one. Um, I don't know. It was something Starvo related. Maybe I said Coke and Old. I don't like that, but maybe, maybe That's I great! Know. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Coke and old. Oh, I'm always <laughs> mad at myself. If I so I have no recollection of the one I did use. Uh, I had those notes somewhere, but if it wasn't Coke and old, I'm very mad at myself. <laughs> when will you have another opportunity to do so? Absolutely. <laughs> um. So yeah, on, on the whole, though, it was cool. Uh, it was interesting to see three drafts go by. I will say my favorite part though was um because of the rules of you having to announce like a cold foil or a marvel. My favorite part was like, oh, they're opening packs. Like, like I would kind of like pace like from pod to pod as if like I was looking to make sure people were drafting appropriately. And I was like 25% of my effort in that. But like the other 75% was like, ooh, cold foils. Um, Show me them cold foils. Yeah, it was like something to look forward to every single pack. It was pretty cool. Yeah. You're scouting some cold foil trade potential. I did see somebody in one pack um, hit a cold foil Kyloria and a blood of the Drakai. At the draft? Yeah, at the draft. What the hell? When was that? It was in the uh, it was in that odd pot of five. I believe it was the second second pack. uh, The first draft. Oh, the first draft. Okay, so I ended up in the second pot of five in the second draft. I was like, I don't yeah, remember yeah, what the guy. Yeah, it was in the first one. So, okay. Yeah, that's okay. pretty crazy. That's nice. I don't know. How was your experience on the other end of the RTN? I mean, sadly, I um, I couldn't stay. I had um, I had already uh, family commitments for the evening. So uh, I I entered just a draft and kind of see where how far I'd get and uh, end up dropping right before top eight. If even if I happened to make it there, spoiler alert, I didn't. Um, I ended up going like uh, one and uh, like three and then dropping. So uh, we did our first. I did my first draft. I um, I saw. Uh, some what I thought were clear signs for Icelander in my first pack because oh everybody always um, pivots into Icelander. Well, pack one it was like there's a single blue ice card in this pack, and everything else is like yellow. So I'm like, okay, if I can convince everyone else that Icelander is not open because there's no blue cards, no blue ice cards, then that's fine. I'll take the only blue one here and start passing. And then from there, I kept getting passed like what I thought was gas for Icelander. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then it turns out, like later down the line, the guy in front of me who I was passing to is also on Icelander, and the guy to my right, uh, two players down or one player down, was on Icelander also. So I'm like, I don't even know how to ha- how I had a functional deck at this like with one guy passing me in in the second pack, his cards, he's on Icelander, and a guy one player down to my right passing me cards after being Icelander around on pack one and two. So like uh, pack one and three. So yeah, it's one of those things where it just like takes one person to throw the whole draft off. I think it's yeah. weird. Um, my round one, I, uh, we actually kind of were like facing down a draw. So right when we went to time, I essentially, uh, just gave them the win because I had to leave. So like, that makes sense. I didn't, didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be like, I want to try to, 
you know, get this draw and make us both lose, or, or I'm going to win this one and then drop and then, you know, yeah, give them a shot. Um, I won my second round and then lost my third round. And uh, that was into Dromai. I think I, think I played two Dromais and I played a Fi. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've read online that you can just force Fi and win. I mean, that's what they say. It seemed pretty accurate. I um, don't know if that's true. I, uh, so the, the eventual winner of the RTN, um, was on Fi. Who, who, who did win by the way? Oh, Jacob Kissel. Uh, oh, nice. Excellent. Hasiel Diaz in the finals. On Fi? And, yeah. Team Kitchen Fable. Uh, turning on itself. I don't know. <laughs> Only one remains. Right? But the, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting finals. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like in that limited environment, <sighs> Dramai and Icelander are so pool dependent that like, I, I feel like you can just force Fi. I know that seems like super, like, gen- like it seems like such a crazy generalization, but I mean, I, I don't know. It really felt that way. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I imagine it's easy to kind of just draft Fi because of the amount of cards that just randomly uh, have synergy. All the rupture cards. Conic oh, ninja yeah. cards, some generics even too. You can play just go again red cards. Not that they're great, but you know it's a uh, good enough just to push more damage through. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. This is weird. It also um, just seems like most of the cards are really good for Fi. Uh, where other like Icelander and Jermai both have miss cards. Uh, where it's like either the blue or the red version of a card you just don't want to draft for any reason. Uh, where yeah. buy, you can just jam whatever you want in there and you're good. Usually, that's, that seems, I think that's really the case. Um, and then in round two, I ended up drafting a uh, pretty cool drama deck. However, we were only a pot of five, and it was all the uh, the uh, 03s and the 12s. So, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we called it the kitty table. <laughs> The uh, I don't know those five person drafts actually looked really fun. The uh, just because like that, how awesome of a deck you're able to build so quickly. Yeah, I mean uh, we have fewer options, but we get the best of every pack, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I played my first round and then ended up just dropping to play to some CC before I had to leave. Yeah, I was I was hurting. I like went and I ate afterwards. I got home at like midnight and I was like, I got a box for judging. I was like, I'm gonna crack this open right now. I was like, I'm gonna see what I got. How'd that I go? Like, I got about fifteen dollars worth of cards. Oh no, no marbles. Uh, and like twelve of that was a cold foil ash token. Oh god, uh, it was bad. I got like every bad majestic. <laughs> um. No, it wasn't that bad. I, it wasn't great, though. I think I there were two or three Majestics that were over $2. Like, I got an Uprising, a Is That All You've Got? And I forget. Ooh. I got, like, a foil channel, the Bleak Expanse. You like should $4. trade me that. The That's all you got. Oh, yeah, I have an extra one. I'll trade that, Sweet. too. Yeah, I love that card. I'm going to stonk up, stonk up on that card. It's really good. It. Uh, I feel like it slides right into Prism. Just really good overall, especially with aggro decks on the rampage. Absolutely. Well, speaking of aggro deck on the rampage, uh, Matt, have you taken a look at the classic constructed metagames for the first few weeks here of RTN season? You know, it's, um, I have, I have, and it's been interesting the way the decks um, have shifted. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like everyone was on Briar right off the bat, which I think makes sense. You know, it preys on Prism, it got sift. Um and then I think uh people I mean it's it's interesting. Then people discovered that really Viscerai 
and uh, and Prism were able to beat Briar, but I don't know. It's I think Phi is the deck to beat in this format. So I don't. It's weird. It's weird yeah, to see this. Phi is is a format warping deck for sure, where everybody has some kind of tech to deal with Phi. Yes, absolutely. He he is the play around deck, right? Like uh, Prism was the play around, or I'm oh, sorry, Prism sort of, depending on the hero, right? But like it, for the most part, it was always Prism and Guardian were the play around decks, where like the yeah. format would warp around having to deal with those decks. Yeah, absolutely. And now it seems like there's like a weird, I don't know. It's weird. Like so the. As far as the winning metagame, right? So these are the decks to beat at the moment. It looks like we have Lexi, Oldham, Prism, Viserai, Briar, and Fey. Or Fi. I'll I'll keep messing that up to the end of time. Um so it's really it's interesting because I we're very far from a rock, paper, scissors meta, and it seems like every single deck that's popular has an auto loss matchup. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, Prism going into Viserai, Fi, or Briar, like, I mean, Prism has a significantly better shot against Briar now that Prismless, really any Runeblade now that Prismless are running Phantasm, but it's still not great against Viserai. Um, and then, like, Oldham, obviously, Otto loses to Prism. Uh, you know, Briar has a very difficult time with Oldham. Then you get, uh, you get Phi. I uh, was looking like an auto loss into uh Lexi, so it's really weird that all the top decks just have like a a terrible matchup. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's um, it's that a lot of these decks are the what's the word um, are the extremes of one side or the other, right? So like yeah. Icelanders is is heavily like heavy invested in control. Right and stacks, as we would call it, as magic players, and then Phi is like the most like in your face, sprinting to the finish line, balls to the wall for a less you know clean expression, you know just <laughs> just finish like it hot right. Punch, hot kick, <laughs> hot punch, hot sword. I don't yeah. know. It's like- it's, uh, it's it's just the deck that's racing to kill you, and uh, I mean the deck insanely puts out so much damage um just out of nowhere it'll just have an insane turn like i was playtesting earlier today actually as viscerai against Fi, um and there were turns where it was insane like where they would come at me with an attack and i would block and then all of a sudden instant speed art of war getting a plus one over me and then banishing a card drawing two and then everything else for the rest of the turn gets plus one. And then it's that next one that says draconic cards get plus one for each chain link, or if it's power is less than a chain link, right? It's current oh, yeah. chain link. Yeah, that card's insane. They already cracked stubbies that turn. And if things are just getting out of hand, here's uh you know the Ember Blade, and then here's a uh you know uh the Ronin Renegade, and then here's the Phoenix Flame for four, and you're like, what the shit? Yeah, here's and then it, it just it, it gets out of control. And then if they're running the the mask of the pouncing links, uh, better hope you haven't let them hit you too much because then they're just going to go and tutor for assault the wound when they hit you next. Or uh, yeah, or even another um, phoenix, uh, another phoenix form. Well, if they if they're on that tech, yeah. I mean, I've actually played against uh, a version without the phoenix forms, or at least sideboarded out, like as in. You know, trying to be more aggressive, not focusing on getting like all three Phoenix Flames available to you. You know, yeah, that makes um, sense. It's still very good. Like Salt the Wound is actually incredibly good. Um, and in our play match, in our uh, matchup, he was siding in uh, a race faces because I was on Viscerai, so I wasn't really like keen on blocking our our uh, games. Used to usually lasted about fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, um, I won a couple, Crazy. but however, Fi won most of them, to be honest. And just I, um, the just the other day, I played the same 
uh, matchup, but different deck lists uh, and different player. And I, I, uh, I think I won also half the time. So it feels kind of like a, kind of like a toss-up matchup. It also might depend on the tech. Yeah, the deck. Yeah, I think it does depend on the tech. Yeah, I, uh, I was playing against Phoenix Form Phi uh, on Prism, and. I don't know if I chose the wrong strategy or what. Um, I've heard people saying you just need to out aggro Fi, but the uh, I only got in two games, and the one game where I had a clear tempo swing, they actually had two erase faces in hand. Oof! Um, the old double popper that was real unfortunate. I don't know. It's a it's a weird matchup for Prism. It definitely felt like I needed to get lucky on it. Like my deck needed to do something. I uh, like my deck needed to get lucky where Fi's deck needed to do something wrong. Like it needed to fall apart. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a rough matchup for Prism. Yeah, those don't feel great. Those matchups where you're like, I win if they if they draw bad. I win if they draw all blues, right? Or no pitch. Yeah. Those are kind of like I don't want to. Really, I don't really want to be in this spot. You I know? win if they don't roll scabs properly. <laughs> that doesn't feel great. No, it doesn't. I uh, I saw a couple sixes this weekend. Wasn't great. Both too bad they weren't tens. Oh, Rhino. Yeah, too bad they weren't <laughs> tens. Then he would have had five action points. Unlimited <laughs> action points, baby. That's what we're all about. Unlimited action points. <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting meta game. I feel like Lexi. Lexi is going to slowly disappear from the meta, I think. Uh, Lexi has Lexi loses to Prism. Lexi loses to Jermai. Um, I feel like Lexi loses to Viserai. Um, really? It depends, actually. The Lexi, um, if we're, especially if we're talking about Ice Lexi, which is like the good Lexi deck. Um, the Lexi deck actually um, has some uh decent matchup against Viserai. It's not uh it's not perfect, but it's it's not bad. Um but I think actually that the Icelander deck is just leagues above the uh Lexi deck in terms of what it can do. The the damage isn't exactly the same, but the control aspect is so much stronger. I mean if the Icelander deck has the ability to, you know, to make you discard consistently and also make you pitch your hand and get rid of it, right? Like Brain Freeze is a card that they can play. That's and it instant true. speed take cards away from you. If you're the aggro deck, you're consistently running zero costs, right? So those yeah. are easy to strip away with the blue brain freeze. Um and one thing we were just mentioning it was funny that uh you could respond after a player plays a belittle, uh, revealing a card and getting a, grabbing a minnowism. You can be like, hey, by the way, brain freeze, snatch that minnowism, put it on top of your deck. It's a play pattern I know well um, just from ALSing people over the years. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite cheeky, I must say. And uh, quite cheeky. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sick. And Having Insidious Chill out also is like an incredibly disgusting card. Uh, a lot of her cards ice fuse already to begin with, and uh, they're essentially just amulets of ice or chilling ice veins. Like uh, it, it's it sucks because you're gonna have to prevent the arcane, or you're gonna have to take the damage and discard a card or pitch two anyways. And then you're yeah. gonna have a frostbite that you're gonna have to pay for if it's a different if it's an ice card they play on your turn. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if the reason we're not seeing Icelander really put up results yet is people are still just trying to figure out the play patterns. I think so. Um, and then also the deck composition as well. A lot of people might be focusing a little bit too heavily on, you know, trying to deal big damage or like the most efficient amount of damage instead of, or focusing a little bit too heavy on trying to put out the affliction combos, right? Yeah. Like they're relying too hard on trying to dump a bunch of frost hexes on someone and then try to play their specialization that's a three of in the deck 
to try to get a shit ton of frostbites on their side of the field. It's just not realistic. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's the issue, right? I to me, like frost hex obviously like sets um like it sets inevitability, but it it to me it just didn't seem as powerful as the card seemed when I first read it. Like, right. When you, I actually saw it in person. It would depend on the matchup, but you would have to make enough frostbites to where they actually couldn't do anything. Yeah. Like if they can do anything, literally anything. After you give them frostbites, then it doesn't actually help because they'll just destroy the frostbites, take no arcane damage, and move on. Yeah, I guess maybe just having the constant threat of it is limiting. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, it, it changes the 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 tone of the game. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Then people are playing around it now. At this point. I um the only other note I really have about playtesting this week is I I knew Dramai had a god awful prism matchup, but I didn't understand just how bad it was until I saw it happen in action. And obviously there's a lot of like reasons for it to be a bad matchup, but the biggest one by far, and this was something I didn't initially realize just from reading the card is that almost every single Dramai on hit trigger specifically says hits a hero. Um, yeah. Where if they take a turn with one of their dragons to like pop something or like attack you to blow up like your spectral shields, uh, like the, um, or like they also have attacks a hero triggers. Um, as opposed to like prisms on hits can happen when you kill dragons. Um, and that just makes it a real nightmare. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 something that was discussed even so far back as the Monarch meta when they introduced allies to begin with. Um, Prism having the on-hit effect not conditional to hitting heroes is just like crazy. You come in with a Herald of Erudition and they can't block it at all. And now they're, you know, having to lose their uh, ally and they're making you draw two cards. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. I think in a weird way, like initially, maybe that's why Herald of Erudition hits for five is so it couldn't kill either the allies in one hit. Oh, I'm sure. And also on top of that, just to make it easier to uh, actually block that card with just a single card in hand. Otherwise, it would be impossible, nearly impossible without giving up two equipment. Yeah. Right? Like you'd have to block with a three block, a two blocking equipment and something else. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. And that's actually the uh, case with a lot of dominate, like cheap, majestic, like dominate cards that are insanely strong. Like um, Arc Knight Ascendancy is also a five power dominate card. Oh God! Yeah, it's not a six power. That's not bad at all. Uh, just in terms of like, there's very few dragons you can't take out like that. Yeah, some dragons. So most of them are within that range. I think is it is it Necria is the only one that isn't? Yeah, that's a seven defense. Uh Endurai just because of the endurance counter. That's true. I that does make him a six. Yeah. Hmm. Like a sort of pseudo six, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Interesting. So I don't know. To me, it, it there's there's something about this format that feels really bizarre to me and I maybe it's just the lack of data because of the amount of RTNs that have been limited mm -hmm. but something there's something about it that feels um it's different than it being unsolved right um like I'm seeing a lot of rogue deck builds a lot of people are trying to keep like builds secret and they have secret tech and maybe what it is is that we've finally reached a point in this game where the card pool is allowing a large amount of creativity and deck building. I mean, I I would love to agree with you, but when like half of the lists are just running Minoism Belittle, I mean, I I don't know. It just it doesn't strike me as being very uh, as being very uh, very flamboyant meta. You know, it's kind that of just true. like what's the most efficient bang for my buck. Oh, 
cool attack action with Goigan that searches for pitch for my turn. Cool. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's not the it's not the 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 most stapleish like broken card ever, but it's pretty good. Um, I think that, uh, in my opinion, was probably that Shane got Living Legend because of Little Minoism. That makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I almost that, that might be a hot take, but I think obviously, besides Seeds of Shadows earning him his first like 500 living legend points or 600 whatever it was um i think afterwards belittle minnowism is really what contributed to him earning that many living legend points yeah and then now we have five playing belittle minnowism and even some dromai builds playing belittle minnowism so it's like i don't know like sure you could probably play this in katsu too uh, I'm sure there are other decks that would like probably function fine with a little minimalism. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent correct. I it's weird. I feel like you could probably win with Belittle Minimalism Merchant at this point. I, I don't uh, see why not playing Belittle Minimalism Merchant uh, in in Blitz, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll get there. Yeah. yeah, right. So yeah, I don't know. It is it is fascinating. Hmm. Indeed. It is weird. I have noticed that um I know I saw occasionally people were putting together little minnowism viscerai lists. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, and all the winning lists I've seen, they kind of uh they don't go that route. Yeah, belittle minnowism on viscerai is a, is a pyramid scheme as the as Joe's would like to say. Um <laughs> No, that that deck that uh that text I think uh absolutely not viable. It's uh it, it's playable. Like you you may very well squeak some wins out, but uh I I don't think that's exactly what Visrai is uh, looking to do. Yeah. But uh, hey, right. you know uh why not try it? <laughs> See how that goes for you. Um, I think the, the, the best philosophy for playing Viscerai is that, uh, if it's not purple, you don't play it. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems correct. I mean, there are a couple cards you can kind of get away with playing. I think I, I'm running like two or three Sifts. Um, uh, those are good. Gorg Tomes, uh, I don't run those anymore, I don't think. Um, and then, uh, sideboard cards that are generics, but I think that'd be about it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think, um, yeah. I mean, really, in the lists I've seen that have done well, it's really just D reacts and Gorg tomes. Uh, okay, I mean, obviously you have your CNCs, and uh, occasionally I see a race faces. Yeah, those are like even those are now in the meta. That popular. Well, I still think I think actually they're pretty good. Um, they help in the Fi matchup, and just won me a couple games against Fi and Visrai. So you just kind of swap out some of your other larger uh, six powers. For your red larger red attacks. Oh, that's interesting. Because I I guess like when I look at deck lists, I see two packages, right? I see the command and conquer, like just get this through with no D React to kind of finish you off package. And then I see the um I see the erase face and is that all you got package. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean I would run I would run the erase faces into fives and the command and conquers into like guardians, prisms, and uh well uh not Prism specifically, but uh, like Guardians and uh, Ninjas, uh, like not like Katsu and uh, Lexi for sure, Ranger, right? Uh, but Guardian probably you would play the Command and Conquer, but against like Illusionists, you might you might just play both. It depends on how many poppers you need if you're running already sixes in your main deck. Yeah, if you're already yeah. running Amplifies or not. Interesting. I do. I have all the cards for Viserai. I might put them together and play a few, play a few games with them. Yeah, I'll give you a list at some point. Cool. Right on. I'm all about that. But yeah, I have to, I have to make some adjustments to the current list just because of my playtesting has enlightened me to some new sideboard tech I'd like to 
put in to help fix some of the matchups. Um, what uh, what are your thoughts on? And this is something I've been thinking about back and forth. I think the price reflects a certain answer. Uh, what do you think about Arcanite Skullcap versus Crown of Providence right now? What are we um, what are we talking about when it comes to the difference in pricing? Because I haven't checked up on the cards in a while. I know Crown uh, of Providence is about one forty. Uh, but uh, what's Arcanite Skullcap sitting at? Uh, Arcanite Skullcap, and you got to figure. I mean, obviously, I don't have any advanced data, but you've got to imagine there's a pretty similar amount of both of them floating around. Uh, so Arcane Rising Foil Arcanite Skullcap is ninety dollars right now. Yeah. Okay. Ninety. Yeah, about ninety bucks. Um, and Crown of Providence is a buck forty. A dollar and forty cents. That's <laughs> if only. Uh, so, do you think uh, that reflects Crown of Providence possibly being a better card? I mean, I'll tell you that I'm already, I've already cut Arknight Skullcap out of this right. Interesting. Um, but that's not to say that Skullcap's bad now. Like, you're still running Skullcap in other match in other decks. Like, you know, you can run Skullcap. You're still running Skullcap in like Dromai. Uh, probably in Guardians and other heroes, like heroes that need to block several times a turn. But I think you're not really what you're looking for in Viscerai. At least this is my experience, right? So my experience with Skullcap has been that you it's open information, life totals, right? And the defense, when the, when the block on Arknight Skullcap will matter, your opponent will have the most control over that situation, right? So, like, it happens every single time I play against a Guardian, right? Every single time. And I bemoan it every single time it happens. I'm like, shit. I can't, I can't do anything about this, right? So, like, I can't stop pressuring damage. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, I can't just say, hey, I'm at, uh, I'm at, like, five more life than you, or I'm at, like, five less life than you. I should stop pressing damage so that I can block your next turn. That just doesn't make sense. So <clears throat> your opponent with that information will be like, you know what? I have this insane, you know, crippling crush or something that's going to come hit you and you're going to have to block it or this uh, erase face. Right. And then you're not going to have four block of equipment ready available. So I'm just going to take some damage here. So I'm below your life. And then, uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and swing this attack at you. And now you don't have uh, optimal blocks. Yeah. Yeah, that was a very long-winded way to say that I'm running Crown of Providence now over Skullcap. <laughs> the additional hidden information that is very interesting to me. So what's cool about Crown is that it can also not not just filter your hand, but it could turn your arsenal into a blocking card. Oh yeah! So you it doesn't just filter your hand into a new card; it filters your arsenal into a card in hand. Oh, interesting. So you can start if you need a turn, if you need to spend a turn blocking like straight up, you can just block a crown, tuck your arsenal, draw a card, and start blocking, right? You have five cards now in hand to block with. Yeah. Okay. Huh. You know, I, I maybe I Maybe that was what I underrated about this card is that the skill cap is extremely high on it. It matters very much when you decide to use this thing. Like it, it's not a it's not an equipment I don't think that you would be you necessarily need to save for the end, right? Like battle worn ones where you're like trying to squeak out as trying to ring it for as much, you know, damage absorption as possible. But you it's kind of like one that you'll use because of its effect. And the optimal like blocking it has in that situation, it's like okay, I can block for two, and I also get a card in hand that I can use to pitch for some effect like arcane barriers or for uh, you know, the amulet of ice discard effect. If I'm playing against Lexi or something, I got another card in hand now I can pitch to pay for that, or frostbite or something on my next turn. Or just more cards to block with. If you're blocking a Fi that just cracked his, uh, his gauntlet, right? Or played yeah. an Art of War, and you're like, oh shit, I've got to block damage this turn. So 
I don't know. It's it's a it's just a really really good helmet piece, and I think it's much better than Arcanite Skullcap in most cases. Um, I just don't think Arcanite Skullcap has been totally obsolete. I don't think it's been phased out. That makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's just it's so weird. I guess like in a weird way. Um, do you pay a life to filter a card? And I think you almost always do. Yeah, I would. If you ask me at any point during the game, hey, pay one life, put your arsenal on the bottom of your deck, draw a card, or uh, pay one life, fix a card in your hand to the bottom, draw a card. Like, yes, I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I may have to put a want to buy post in our uh, in the Discord for our locals now. I may have to put a want to sell post. Oh. <laughs> it's like what was the what was the point of this whole conversation? You're telling me, I was like, what? No. <laughs> well, no. The reason is because what have I, I mean, been led I, to believe? I, I, I think you were uh, I think you're witness to it too at the uh, at the draft at the RTN. Uh, I drafted in that little kid table pod of five players, and uh, they came over with a fresh box, handed us the packs, and we started drafting. And then like nobody opened anything, and I was like sitting there twirling my imaginary evil man mustache and as soon as we finished drafting and ran to the front and bought the last nine packs that came out of that box ah and that the last nine packs that came out of that box that cost me like 30 or almost 40 bucks to buy i think it was like 30 30 bucks right to buy the last nine packs had a rainbow foil crown of providence a rainbow foil erase face a cold foil conduit of frostburn and a uh, that all you got. So two ah. majestics, one was foil, a cold foil, and a rainbow foil legendary. They're gonna go pop champagne at Morton's, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I certainly, it certainly felt like it. Uh, so now uh, I have an extra crown. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I well, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can come to it. Yeah, right you know, there. we will come to a gentleman's agreement. That's right. You heard it here. First, the first ever live deal. I don't know. Trade done on podcast. Yeah, right. Classic Cave Dane moment. Cave Dane moment. <laughs> I like Cave Dane. Is, is it Cave Dane? I don't know. It's like way more ridiculous. Fun fact: He did you know he's he has a mechanical hand? Uh, I I vaguely remember the mechanical hand. He's holding the eyeball with it, right? Yeah, he's got like big Batman villain energy. Yeah, definitely a Batman villain. He's like, I mean, literally, if you just like look at like like the things he has for sale, he's like he's got like a human head. Uh he's got someone's face, and then he has like a painting like made out of skin, but there's like th- those definitely human nipples on that skin that <laughs> you know honestly if you go look at this uh if you look at like cavdane's extended art it's pretty messed up <laughs> it's like who, who um well somebody was saying that uh that uh, the i forgot when i where i saw this but the art on snag is like some like dungeon torturer or something uh grabbing this dude and cavdane's like skinning them alive and that's why he has like that eyeball he took this dude's eye. Oh, that's know. horrible. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I just, you know, read it somewhere on the internet, so it must be true. You know what card this was that he's talking about, or is it just random art? Snag. Oh, it's on Snag? Yeah. Alright, hang on. I'm looking up Snag art. That's right. I need to mic my keyboard, because it's usually really loud. Alright, Snag art, flesh, and blood. I don't know what Snag art is, but apparently it's a whole genre. Oh, God. Uh, don't google that um, I don't know what it is but it doesn't sound good it's weird it, I mean it's not it's not unwork safe jeez what in the world that was my reaction to oh my <laughs> gosh I've never really looked at this art up close yeah oh you never seen this thing this no I don't like brutal. that I don't like that one bit <laughs> that art is very brutal this uh, the whole thing just seems um inappropriate. Barbaric. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is that even is that the Jarl 
even like I don't know. It's hard to tell like cards with the Yarl on them because he's been like illustrated so many different ways. Well, on Snag, yeah, I, I don't think that's that's definitely not the Yarl. It looks like some sort of uh, some uh, sort of uh, jailkeeper. Well, his oh, name. Yeah. Is, if you look at the uh, first edition art, now we're getting to some like lore here. Uh, <laughs> I know I love lore. Uh, if you look at the first edition art foil. Uh, and you can actually see this on Spellvoid. Um, it says there's there's actually flavor text. This is one of those cards that has a, a flavor text that's exclusive to the uh, first Ed foil. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a some guy named Butcher Jack. Well, I don't like that one bit. Um, yeah. and uh, I love the the fucking snarky puns that all of these things have, like the the snarky catchphrases. Like this thing says. Not quite the outcome you envisioned. And uh, I don't think he can see any or envision anything with his eyeball hanging off that hook like that. The pretty on the nose uh, pun there. Butcher Jack. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I didn't realize this, but there is an entire uh, like LSS published an entire article about uh, about snag and the art. Um, oh, really? Well, I, I'm going to have to look that up later. So it's really interesting because they talk about how Snag, the reason they made the ultra collectible rainbow foil versions of it is they believe that even if it doesn't find a home immediately over the long term growth of the game will end up becoming an insurance policy and a card that almost every competitive player will need in their collection. So they want an ultra collectible version of it for whenever that moment comes. That's so. What you're saying is, I should go and snag. And I think we've said this oh! on the podcast before. Uh, I don't know if I said that exact pun, but I, I think we've mentioned these cool uh, first ed foil flavor text cards uh, on this podcast before, especially with uh, a blazing aether. But uh, snag does have that. Should I go and start buying foil first ed snags? That's the question. Honestly, now that we've let everyone know. Oh, shit. You won't have <laughs> until I finish editing this. Um, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the it is actually like, well, all things considered and relatively cheap being subjective, it is relatively cheap at 1990 shipped. Yeah, that's not terrible. Yep. Exactly. The guy, the guy, that's interesting. The person that's selling them at 1990 shipped has <laughs> actually has six of them. Um, oh. Three for you, three for me. <laughs> yeah, right? You can actually get them cheaper. Uh, yeah, by just buying them from one person, but that guy only has one. Maybe we get in on this. <laughs> well. When you guys hear when this published episode's published, now uh there will be no foil snags on the market. <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe we drop a hundred dollars and just buy all the ones under fifty bucks. I don't know. We'll find We're out. Definitely gonna get at least a playset. T B H. All right, you heard it here first. We conspired and bought out a card live on the air, mere hours before you found out about it. Um peasants. <laughs> Unreal. This is why it's good to be the tastemaker. Um, let's see. Speaking of tastemaking, uh, everybody's been on that fi. They're all about it. This has been your month to get your searing ember blade. That's right. The original hot sword. Next month, uh, we've got a vaguely Jermai themed armory kit coming out. Matt, do you have any thoughts on this armory kit? I would like to at least play in one or two of these armies because the last month has been rough for me. I've been so busy, I've had the, hardly had time to go out and uh, play any armories. So I'm hoping to at least get one of those cold foil sash, no, sands of Sandakai, not sash of Sandakai. And uh, hopefully win a raffle for one of those playmats because uh, I do like to me some Rake the Embers. Yeah, that playmat is amazing. I really like minimal playmats. Um, they just, I don't know. I just, I, I have like a problem with like flesh and blood playmats. Like they really do this sensory overload thing to me where there's just like so much going on. 
like I don't know if you've played against me recently, but I've like I have this very minimal, like all purple Magic the Gathering Ashiok playmat, and it's like just the outline of Ashiok on it, and the rest. Yeah, of it's, it's purple. pretty cool. Yeah, um, I've been going back to that because I can keep track of stuff. <laughs> Everything else is like. It's like, look at all these images. You're looking at a Where's Waldo painting mixed with an eye spy and everything has tiny text and weird rules. Yeah, um, it's, it, can, it can be jarring sometimes, I imagine. It's not a skill that I've developed uh, to, <laughs> to be able to keep track of everything in front of me. Like, I feel like I'm constantly forgetting something or losing a die and there's just too much. But this playmat... Um, it's all gray. It's 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 perfect. Just a little, um, you know, gray, black, and some hands there, and like the bracelet, you know. Yeah, uh, you might be able to trade your first edition rainbow foil <laughs> snag for these. For yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll find out. So I don't know. I really like this armory kit. I, it's interesting to me that they're dropping another uprising mat as the people's champion mat. I know at most places I've gone to, I've been like, yeah, it's the people's champion, Matt. You've got to like give it to whoever the people's champ is. And I don't know. They're always like, what? And I was like, I don't know. Just give people sticky notes and have them vote or something. Um, I mean, it's nice and all until everyone just votes for themselves. Right. And so I don't know. At the one armory I went to, it was an eight way tie uh, for the Matt. No, <laughs> I, I <don't> bet. Know. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's weird. Um, it's really interesting. I, it's it's like uh, it's almost like uh, here's what I would do, right? If I was an LGS owner, I would just be like, "Who doesn't want the mat?" and have like someone raise their hand and be like, "Okay, it's your responsibility now." Choose somebody. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, not a great way to do it because then it just leads to them picking their buddy who wants a play mat, and, you know, whatever. Which isn't it wouldn't be the end of the world, but um. There's, there's uh raffling seems to be the consensus around these parts. Yeah, we do live. We live in raffle times. Um, just everyone's raffling. I don't know. Um, there is something else I wanted to bring up uh, mm -hmm. this week. Um, and it's interesting because I was thinking about this a lot. Uh, this year, uh, April 22nd, 2022, we got the original spoiler cards and preview of Uprising. So this ended up being about a little under two and a half months before the set itself came out. Uh, Dynasty, in and of itself, is coming out uh, in... Just a little over three months as we talk about this, and which is fascinating to me. Um, to me, that means within the next three weeks, I think we're going to start seeing some Dynasty cards. I know for a fact that uh, we will be seeing some at Pro Tour Lily. Yeah, that's right. I'm saying Lily because that's the thing it sounds closest to to me. I know that's not how French speak do sound. Um, but Lily. So, uh, so I don't know. I think uh, it's it's really interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot. So August twenty sixth through twenty eighth is when Pro Tour Lily happens. So it's entirely possible that there is a shorter spoiler season, which I think would be good because Uprising spoiler season felt like it was like five years long. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that'd be pretty soon for spoilers, right? Three weeks away. When the uh, set's three so months out. I guess Pro Tour Lily is August 26th through 28th. So I guess we are uh, five weeks out, give or take. Okay. I think that's a little bit better. When does uh, it come back? Oh, November. Yeah. Well, I mean, that seems well, far it's like away. The first week of November. It was originally an October set, but it got pushed back just slightly to November. That still seems quite a far away. Quite far away. Yeah, right. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's two month lead time. Not too terrible. Uh, give you seven weeks of slow drip before uh, pre-release. God, that'd be terrible. You Although don't know I guess if I could stand it. Upset. You don't know if you can take it? I don't know if I could. No, there wouldn't be a pre-release for this one. That's for yeah. sure. Only post-release. Um, I do know they're going to show off uh, one of the new heroes. But obviously, Ooh, this is a far exciting. time away. 
We have so many things to talk about. Until then, hopefully, uh, I don't know. I think that about does it for everything I know this week. Um, that's right. You heard it here first. We did a deal. We um, decided to form a snag cartel. <laughs> uh, that we gonna did. have to go through us on this buyout. So uh, yeah, I don't know, Matt. What uh, you have any final thoughts? No parting words. Uh, you know, just uh, continue to play test, fine tune those decks, guys. The meta is shifting, and play more Runeblade. <laughs> play more Runeblade. I think that's the key. You get spells, you get a sword, you get strength. What else do you need? Runes, um, apparently. <laughs> and runes, apparently. Uh, alrighty. Well, I guess we'll see you here next week at the Pitch Stack. See ya.